Welcome everyone, Russ Scalzo here at Chronicles of the End Times. Today we start a new series called Living and Succeeding in Babylon. Well, what's that all about? Well, here we are, living in year 2013, living in a world where anything goes, where our comfort is, seems to be our number one priority, a place where truth is relative and absolutes are applied, it seems, only to science. In a world where some say there is no God, we are surrounded by many gods. Each individual has their own version of what God is and what he will or won't allow. Politicians continue to endorse whatever the wind blows in, and they seem to have little regard for how it will affect future generations, if indeed there will be such. Well, that is quite a statement to make, I suppose. But the Bible tells us that Daniel lived in such a society over 2,500 years ago. He was a young man when he was taken captive from his home in Jerusalem and made to live in a very wealthy and promiscuous city called Babylon, the city of many pleasures and distractions. The laws there did not favor his beliefs, and society around him lived opposite to everything he'd ever been taught as a child. Yet, through all that, he thrived, but not without trials and tests that tested his faith and deepened his relationship with God. In this series, we'll explore and discuss ways in which we can succeed in reaching those around us in this generation and to look at God's plan for the very near future. Our personal walk with God is so important. We talked about that in podcast three. Daniel made time for spending time with God. He faced many obstacles and potential roadblocks in his life that tried to keep him from his prayer time. But yet, He was faithful, and he stayed in touch with his God. And because of that, the nation, his people, were saved from many disasters. And because of that, God used him to reveal to us in this generation what the future holds for all of us here. And not only Daniel, but he had three friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, who also went through many trials and attested their faith. Standing up against the tide is difficult. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Standing in the middle of a stream that's deep and running quickly, you can feel the pressure on your body as you're standing there against the stream, running beside you, pushing on you, trying to drive you down and carry you along with it. And we face a lot of that today. But there is a way that we can be successful in living in this society that parallels Babylon in so many different ways. Having the time to spend with the Lord and getting a strategy. What would be the strategy for today? The strategy would be to move forward in the anointing of God. The anointing of God is the touch of God. Some have defined it as God's fragrance. You know, it's like being around someone who has a strong cologne or a a perfume and you hug them or something and you begin to smell like it. It gets on you, you know, and people can say, wow, you you smell like that guy or that woman or whatever, whoever uh, you're close with. And 
it's similar to that in the Lord, where we spend a lot of time with him and we're close with him. Uh, his perfume or his scent or uh, his the essence of who he is begins to to permeate through us, through our skin, through our spirit, as it were. And, and people can sense it. And that's what we need to be, salt and light in this generation. Um, standing up against the tide doesn't always mean, you know, waving the banners and insulting people and telling them, you know, you're going to hell and this is how it is. Uh, it's more being there, being the rock in the stream that's not moving. The stream is running by it, sometimes over it, but that rock is not moving in that stream. It's there. And sometimes we need to be that rock. And obviously Jesus is our rock, but he wants us to emulate him. He wants us to lean on him and and let him show himself through us to be that rock, to stand there. And it's tough at times for us to be that way. But if we have an ongoing walk with God an anointing, then we have a purpose and we have a drive that eternity for us is a real deal. The spiritual world, for those of us who are in touch with the Lord, is a real deal. This life is the life that perishes. The eternal life is the life that we see and we live in. We need to live in eternity. We can't live in the here and now only. And so people need to see that in us. They need to see a faith in us and a strength in us. And where does that come from? And you may say, well, that might be easy for you to say. Maybe that's your personality. You know, you can do that kind of thing and it's more natural for you. No, that's not natural for anyone, really. And the only way we can do it is in the Lord. And I'm telling you that you don't have to be the kind of person that's boisterous. You know, you don't have to be the Peter you know, he had many things that came natural to him, you know. He stuck his foot in his mouth many times. But God used his boldness. And not everyone is a Peter, and you don't have to be. You can be the quietest, meekest person. But if you live your life in the anointing, and you live your life with a life of prayer, people will be attracted to you. People will come to you. You will be that rock. And you will emulate Christ. And even though you're not standing on a mountaintop shouting and preaching great uh, sermons and loud and boisterous and full of boldness, your life will speak for itself. It can only come from us being in the Bible, being in the Word of God, being in sound teaching, hearing sound teaching, where we can get our faith lifted, being around those of like faith the Bible says. What does that mean, being around people of like faith? Daniel and his friends were of like faith. There might have been others, I'm sure there were, around that believed in the Lord, but they didn't have the same faith. They they weren't in that same place as Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were. And that's the people we need to hang around with. If you hang around people that are constantly complaining, constantly critiquing the church, constantly critiquing one another. Uh, This one is that way, and this is this way, and I don't like this. You're going to become like that. It's going to be very difficult for you not to become like that. 
and get involved in their conversations. But just because someone believes in the Lord and says they believe in the Bible doesn't mean they're people of like faith. I think it's important for us, those that want to move forward, those that want to go into the deeper things of God, those that want to try to be that that rock in the middle of the stream, it's important for us to hang around other rocks, <laughs> as it were, in the stream as well. We need each other. And let me be clear, I'm not saying that there's only an elite few who know the Lord and that are saved. No, absolutely not. I am not saying that. But we must admit there are different levels of maturity in the church. There are those who have just come to the Lord and they need the milk of the word and need to be nourished in the basic rudiments and elements of the word of God. That's natural. That is the way God intended it to be. But there are also others in the church who have been saved for a while, known the Lord for a while, but yet we don't see the maturity in them. And we see others who have seemed to be stuck in one place for so long a time. And so there are different levels of maturity within the church. So how do we prevent from being stuck in these places? We don't want to not grow. That is an awful feeling. And Paul is talking in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 14. He said, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Here's the key. Who by constant use. We need to practice faith. We need to practice the Word of God. When we read it, we need to take it in. That's not enough. We need to apply it. We need to constantly use it. And through that use, we will learn and we will grow and we will get more. There's a Bible truth that I like to call, use it or lose it. And that's the story of the talents. And we don't have time in this podcast to go into depth on that. That's a teaching on its own. But enough to say that Jesus talks about a story in which given five talents to one, two talents to another, and a one talent to another one, according to their ability. And then he goes away in this journey, and the man comes back and wants to see uh, what he got on his return from this money. The one who had five, he doubled it. The one that had two, he doubled it. But the one that got one, he buried it. And he lost everything because of that. Basically, Jesus is saying, look, no matter how much I give you, be it five or two or one, Go out and do something with it. Double it. You can double it like these, this example gave. God wants to give. He's a giver. There is no treasure house that he has to worry about what is going to run out of stuff. There's no warehouse that he has to, gee, I wonder if I have enough. God's treasures are endless. His generosity, his loving kindness is endless. If we want to get into that endless flow, then we need to use what he's given us, and then he will give us more. Well, that concludes podcast number four of how to live and be successful in Babylon. Join me next time, podcast number five, where we'll continue this discussion on how we can grow and what our strategy should be 
We have many strategies for finance, many strategies for this and that and how to live. We need a strategy, how we're going to mature, how we're going to be able to bear fruit and grow in this age that we live in. This is Russ Galzo for Chronicles of the End Times. God bless. Catch you later.